0: Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Ervanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Matt Astafan, founder and creator of Web Friendly. Web Friendly is a media company focusing on news, trends, and insights for creators, publishers, and marketers. He's been online in various capacities since 2009. He's worked with some major players in the industry. And today we're talking to him about what it means uh, for the what the creator economy is and what it means for us moving forward. So, Matt, how you doing, my friend? Long time no
1: talk. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Hey, yeah. So um, obviously, I mean, you've worked with some big names. You've you've been involved in this industry at a deep level. Uh, You know, really even an early innovator, an early adopter in a lot of things, which I want to get into. But before we even get into any of that, how did you get started? Like, were your parents entrepreneurs and marketers? Do you come from a family of business owners? No, I was actually really
1: into film. And I studied film and worked in the film industry. You know, in my early 20s, I wanted to be a movie director. Still still want to do some, some movie directing maybe one day. Uh, and um, yeah, I was working there. And then a friend of mine became a real estate agent and convinced me to become a real estate agent. And I thought I would look really cool if I was a realtor. So uh, I took the course, got the books, passed the test, became a realtor. And then I just failed miserably at real estate. I spent a year in real estate without making any money. By the end of the year, I had over $30,000 of credit card debt and uh, I was really struggling. So I went to my managing broker like around October and I was like, I got no sales skills. I got no marketing skills. Like, what should I do? You know, I was young. I was like 23 or something at the time. And he's like, You're young. He's like, Why don't you go figure out this internet marketing stuff? So I did. Um, and I also, you know, I ended up starting a meetup and all this, you know, a meetup to have like a mastermind of people who are also studying marketing. It was actually, I got um, John Reese's Traffic Secrets 2.0. I think that was like the first million dollar weekend launch or something. I, that. I think that was the, the hook on that one. And yeah, me and my friends like we, we sat at my place and just watched these DVDs. The DVDs are like CD-ROMs. I don't even know. I don't remember. I just remember we were like sitting there watching and learning and stuff. You know. And then we formed this little mastermind. And eventually I became better at, at marketing than real estate. So then I ended up quitting real estate. And uh, my initial kind of venture into like entrepreneurship was I would teach these weekend workshops, like in-person workshops, teaching people how to set up their social media accounts, like literally logging in, signing up for Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and then like making your profile, like writing your bio, like how how to tweet, stuff like that. And I did that
0: for like- What was the hot social media back then when you first got started?
1: When I first got started, Twitter was hot. Twitter had just got started uh this is before Justin Bieber like I was like I think when Justin Bieber got on that made it hot then Oprah got on and then that made it really hot and I think that was kind of like yeah and then like I think I think it went yeah I think when Justin Bieber Shaq Oprah something like that it was like when the celebrities started hitting Twitter that's when it started really blowing up and then you know after some years it just became like a spam fest and now I think Twitter's making a big comeback so I'm happy about that
0: yeah yeah for those that are joining in this is this is being recorded around when Elon Musk just made a majority purchase of shares in Twitter. Super excited about that. Go Freedom yeah. and free speech. I think that's a big step yeah. in the right direction. We'll see 100%. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you started teaching people to get social media and then where did things go from there? I mean, you became an overnight millionaire or? <laughs> so,
1: you know, I started studying from digital marketers. I remember I met a friend of mine and ha, this is kind of going way back, but I remember we were like, Exchanging, like, who is your guru, right? Like, who did you learn from? And my guru, what my original guru was Gary V. Uh, again, this is like 2009, this is like very early on. I remember when I followed Gary V. I still remember this. He had 30,000 followers on Twitter. And so, and so I told my friend about Gary V, and then he told me about Eben Pagan. And then he gave me a disc that he had with Get Altitude which was an, uh, which in audio format, I think it's actually a video program. He made the audio of Get Altitude and uh, Wake Up Productive. And those two programs completely changed my life. I've actually now met Eben and I've talked to, uh, you know, people on his team and stuff. It was like, it was a big, it was a big thing for me. I think like Get Altitude is like an MBA in a box. I don't even think you'd buy that anymore. I've, I think it's like the best program he's ever made. I know he sells other mm. stuff now, but I still think Get Altitude was the best and the wake up productive was, you know, productivity and time management. And we were just talking before we started this about, about how we don't eat in the morning. And so I actually learned that from wake up productive is that if you eat too much during the day, you'll get tired. So I always keep my meals when I'm, when I'm working, I keep it under like 400 calories and I learned that like 2009, you know? So, um, so that's how it kind of got started. And then I started doing more workshops and social media and that just grew. And, um, yeah, just one thing led to another. And, uh, I spent almost 10 years teaching social media.
0: Got it. Okay. So, um, now what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in your career and in getting online and doing all that? Cause I mean, obviously, like you said, there was a learning curve. You had to follow gurus. Um, I went to one of Evan's actual, uh, his events. I think it might've been a get altitude event. I don't even know. I was a plus one for it. I met a bunch of super cool people there. Mm. Um, but what were some of the biggest challenges? Like if you had to go back, were there tears in your learning? Like first I had to learn this, like you said in real estate, you went 30 grand into debt. Hmm. You said, I don't know how to do marketing. I don't know how to do sales. So you know what I mean? Was there a progression, you know, were there levels that you kind of unlock, so to speak, as you've gone in your career?
1: I found that um, it's weird, you know, thinking back at early in my career, it was just, always kind of you know making progress going to the next level. I think there was a lot of knowledge that you know if I would have had it early on, I would have you know grew way faster, you know, cuz I was learning business as I was going, you know. As an example, like when I got clients, I never really saw the value of like having clients on a subscription and systematizing things and hiring people to do things, you know, like when I was you know first getting started, you know, that I just thought like I will do this project for you and you will pay me and then I will do another project for you and you will pay me. You know, so you know, there's you know, it was just just like you know a lot yeah, of hungry yeah.
0: there.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean it was funny, it was like in Canada, like I'm in British Columbia. It was funny because when I got started, the yard got started, there was all these grants available to the government that would pay you to get trained. And so because of that, I had an exceptional first year in business and second year in business where like basically people would apply for a grant, take my course, and then I was I made a lot of money from, from these programs, right? So I was lucky that I was like naturally getting into teaching courses. There was these grants available, and you know, so things were good, right? Uh, those obviously washed up after some time. And then, um, and then I realized like, wait a minute, like my sales are not as great as they used to be. And so then I had to kind of innovate and do more. That's when we kind of started moving the courses online and focusing more on like a global audience versus a local audience. Right. But I would say like um, more recently um, over the last few years, like between like 2016 and 2018, I started feeling like, I didn't want to put myself out there as much, and I didn't want to continue growing a, a personal brand, and I struggled with it for a long time because I was a public speaker. I was always out there. I was always posting. I had absolutely no fear of uh, putting myself out there or being famous or anything like that, and. I think I got a little glimpse of what it was like to like become well known or famous or whatever from some. Yeah, and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, and then I started seeing what it was like, and I think, and I also I had a child, and I started, you know, feeling a a little bit more fear around kind of like what it's going to look like in ten or twenty years. What is my son going to think about this? Or what if I say something wrong? And like, you know, all these kind of things, which are completely irrational fears. I think like when I the more I think about it, the more I think it's very irrational. and I'm I'm a very rational person, you know? So I spent the last couple of years where I'm kind of working more like, you know, behind the scenes and I, and I actually really like it. I love like some of the most successful projects I've done is I was in the back doing the marketing and all the operations and everything else was being handled by the client. And I would get a percentage of the sales or, or they just pay me really well. And that was some of the best stuff because then I could just focus on the art, focus on the craft. And I love like the art of marketing. And I love being able to have that freedom where I'm just focused on the marketing and the messaging and like the, the, the customer journey and like all that. And when I get to do that, love it. And then, you know, in my own business, I also have to figure out the deliverability, not the sorry, not the, the, the deliverables and like managing the clients and like all that, you know. And then it's like there's just it takes away from that. the the art form of, of marketing. And so that's been kind of where I've been, um, at over the last few years is like, you know, do I put myself out there? Do I not? And I tried a lot of different stuff of like how to not put yourself out there, but I, I just started this new show. Good morning, marketers. And, uh, you know, we're like four episodes in right now and already like my inbox is blowing up. And I just thought it was so interesting how fast it happened. Like the first four episodes, honestly, I don't think they're that good, you know. Uh, but just, just they everything's getting distributed. People are seeing it, whether they're watching it or not. Is the, you know they just see that I'm you know out there again, like oh Matt's back, and it's just so interesting seeing that um, how fast that uh, you know everything just like came back. So, yeah, it's still an interesting uh, you know exploration of like you know benefits, pros and cons of like being a personal yeah. brand versus not.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely get that because, I mean, I want the money. I don't want the fame, <laughs> you know, because there's pros and cons that come that come with it. Uh, um,
1: I want the freedom. I, you know, that's my thing too. It's yeah. like when I think about the money, it's like, you know, money's okay. Like I'm, you know, I'm comfortable, or whatever. But it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sometimes I feel like the fame it takes away some of the freedom. You know, like if it, de- it really definitely
0: famous, does. Yeah,
1: if you're really famous, the- you can't go to the mall. You know, like stuff no. like that, right? So,
0: and the I problem I- is you know, your income still goes up and down occasionally. Like there's people that are famous and they're broke and they still have the security issues, right? Like, <laughs> like those don't, those don't, those don't go away. Those don't cost any money because they live in other people's lives type thing. Other people have thoughts and feelings about you. I remember when I had my martial arts school, it changed my life, in my hometown. Cause before I was whatever, I just powwow around. But once I had a school, you know, I had hundreds of students and I had kids at my schools and stuff. So I remember I was out one Saturday night, know and and this is before weed was legal in canada and i'd been drinking at the bar with my friends like just a normal like just a normal 20 year old kid you know like i wasn't i wasn't a bar star or anything like that but we go in the street we go in alleyway to smoke weed and i remember going into the alleyway some of my students came out the other side and i felt some type of way about it i was kind of like this isn't i'm supposed to be a role model i don't know who's watching me i don't know who's around And we were like, guys, let's just go, let's go home. Like, let's go home and finish the party at home type thing. Mm. Um, But it was like that. Like, I felt like I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like let loose in public, so to speak. I've never been a big party guy. I did. I, when I was, I I moved out when I was 17 and, and um, worked nightclubs as soon as I turned 19. So I could see my friends on weekends. And after about a year of that, I was done with the bars. Cause I mean, you have 500 people in a nightclub. I'm dealing with the 20 people having the most terrible night out of all of them. You know what I mean? So I, Mm -hmm. I've never really been in drinking and all that. What would you recommend to someone that's starting out? Like, does that mean that they got to go out, they got to network, they got to be public, they got to put their face out there? They they have to build a personal brand. Like, what did you learn then? I mean, you said you were able to be behind the scenes for a bit. So, if someone's starting out online, whether it's e-commerce or a course or even a service, what do you what do you recommend to them? I mean,
1: I can't say I would give the same recommendation to everybody, right? I think that the personal brand comes with you know more influence more status um for sure conversion rates go up like crazy i remember when you know if you're you know i did a lot of jvs like jv webinars that sort of thing and when you do a jv with somebody who's like well known their conversions are through the roof uh, we won't mention the name, but we both have a mutual client we were working with, and uh, you know, looking at his stats, and like I had never seen conversions so high on on ads. I was like, he's just getting crazy click through rates, right? Because he's well known, he's a podcast, and you know, he's an author, all that stuff. So there's definitely a benefit to it, but like, I don't think that everybody needs it, right? I know a lot of very successful people who have businesses that are nobody knows who the hell they are, right? So it's not necessary. It's just that you know. It's to me, it's easier to build a personal brand and make money or get clients, you know, and so on. Or like, you know, like for me, even when I get client work, I'm never like out there trying to like run ads, to get clients. I literally would just message some people and say, I'm available to you know anybody, you know, or like, Hey, do you want this thing? You know, and it's just people just know me and they know that I'm just, you know, I'm cool, whatever. So I'm more so like so- selecting, you know, projects to do versus trying to like go out there and hunt for them. So, and I, and it comes from, you know, my history of, of, you know, public speaking and videos and courses and content. Yeah. And, all that kind of and stuff. even but, who
0: you worked with and all that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the greatest mistakes then? Like you talk about marketing as an art form. What are some of the greatest mistakes you see business owners and clients and entrepreneurs making?
1: I guess, I mean, <clears throat> it really would depend on the kind of business. I mean, one thing is that, um, you know, trying to focus on getting the sale right away. I know for a long time I did that where I was chasing the sale. I was actually just talking to a friend about this. Like I had my agency going, we're doing really well, like earning like tens of thousands of dollars per month for me. That was really well at the time. And it gets to a point where like, I was like, Oh, I want to, you know, make, wait, I want to make millions or I want to make a million, whatever. Right. And it's just very hard to like scale service-based business like that, where um, you're not out there creating content and like building cult relationships, you know, with your audience and having, you know, people uh, like you for your content you put out, whether it be your, you know, we talk a lot about like the difference between a creator and a publisher, right? Like a publisher is like a brand that's publishing content. A creator is like a person creating content, right? so whether you be a publisher or a creator like i think that doing that is it takes like 2 years to see the results but then when you see the results it's like exponential i remember having I had a friend of mine that i remember we were in a mastermind together and he said that he was going to go all in on blogging and creating content and i was like no way man it's all about ads and funnels to get the money you know and i saw him for 2 years didn't do any didn't make any money you know it wasn't doing very well and then 2 years later blew up. Right. And and now I think he's worth like tens of millions of dollars, you know? So I think that that's a thing is that a lot of businesses are focusing on ads and funnels and let's get the sale, that sort of thing. And it's good. You got to do that to stay in business, but you also need to focus on the content you're creating. Like you got to be a publisher, right? You got to be a creator right in order to really see it down the road because you're going to get burned out in two years even if you're making
0: well it's funny it's funny you mentioned gary v before because i remember uh, one of gary v's mastermind videos i was sent he was talking about everybody needs to be producing 10 times more content than they are right now but 80 percent of your focus needs to be on the ads that drive your business and he's like the two aren't you can't do one without the other and that was the thing like you need to pump out Content. You need to pump out content and more content and valuable content and answer, you know, user questions and, and predictions of the industry and just news in general and, and helpful advice. So people get to know, and it fills your top of funnel, right? So for people that are just watching, there's like top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottle of funnel. And that's just the beginning. That's like just meeting someone and building a relationship with you. Uh, or with them to the point where they're willing to buy. Top funnels, they've never heard of you. They don't know who you are. Middle funnels, they're kind of getting to know you. And bottom funnels, where they, they feel like they can trust you and your friends, you know, and now they might be willing to do a purchase. And then there's also the whole in the business funnel, where you've got the first sale, second sale, whatever, right? Like you talked about oh. subscriptions and that, how long the relationship goes. Um, but Gary Vee, that's what he's basically saying, is you got to use content, 10X, 10X your content production to help with the top, middle, and bottom of that, that funnel but then you have to use the ads because that's kind of an easier way people when they see an ad they know it's an ad and i think I, he didn't say this i'm kind of now paraphrasing what i understood but he was kind of saying like when they see an ad, they're almost expecting the offer type thing you know and, and companies when they put the ads in places it just kind of saves your brand so to speak instead of always putting your content buy my stuff buy my stuff buy my stuff you can just be out there giving 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 mm-hmm. and then you kind of market to those people um the other stuff by the way if you're interested xyz right
1: there's a lot of content creators who are either too focused on you know the content and never making the ask and there's others that are always asking like asking for the sale
0: so i think it's just important to have that balance for sure um, is there a ratio i know they used to say 90 10 in the old direct mail days um or sorry ratio. 80 80 20 And people just talk about newsletters, newsletters. Your newsletter should be 80% content, 20% ask. Honestly, I don't think,
1: I think my approach would be to not do the ask in the content. If you, if you're putting into content, you could just retarget everybody who follows you or watches your videos with your ads. So that's probably going to be my approach to it. Like we're just starting up this new show and doing this stuff. But like whenever we run ads, right, it's always like the first click never gets a sale. It's always the retargeting right so you, you build up the audience of people who click on your ads or you know, your banner ads or whatever but then like and then you retarget them with more ads that you know and the strategy of those ads you know and the messaging could be you know slightly different but then it's the retargeting that it gets a sale so i would say if you're producing a bunch of content a it should be you know whatever your offer has to be relevant to you know to those people right Um, but then you can just run ads. to those people, they seen your content, they know that channel, like on YouTube or the Instagram or whatever, wherever they're consuming your content is the channel where they go to get the content, right. And the the value, whatever, then the ads are where you have the ask. And and I think it's okay to just always be running ads and retargeting everybody who consumes your content. Um, -hmm. that would probably work. Mm,
0: mm, mm. Now, what about some of the habits that you feel are the most important? this game and running a business and trying to balance having kids and you know clients and your own personal needs and desires
1: (laughs) um i don't know i mean like for me i just have my uh my my daily routine i uh (laughs) i have some funny things that i do like in the morning i um okay during the work week when i work i always eat the same thing every day when i'm working uh, I always wear the same thing and I actually just always do the same thing every day. And I don't know whether or not this is healthy. I don't know whether or not it's good. It works, it works for me. I get up in the morning, I have a shake, I swallow a ton of vitamins, I go to the gym. If I'm running late, I just do 20 minutes on the Stairmaster. If I got time, I'll do some lifting, uh, come back, make some coffee, and then I just work and I try not to eat until like four o'clock. I have some fucking boiled eggs. And, uh, and then I work until, you know, whatever, six, seven o'clock and then I have my dinner, my dinner, my very, uh, but that's been me. And I, uh, you know, I don't know if that works for everybody. I've told people about this before. I love feeling it's weird. Some people think it's not healthy to just eat the same thing every day. But, um, yeah, that's been, uh,
0: my, my routine. Yeah. But that's, that's like uh, my favorite, my favorite quote on mastery is do it until it becomes dull and then keep going until it's beautiful
1: you know, and perseverance.
0: Perseverance is all the hard work you do when you're sick and tired from all the hard work you just finished doing, you know, and I think that's a grit thing. Like, I I think there's two, a lot of people, they're like, oh, I, I, it's, there's two ways to look at it. One is like, oh, I need more stimulation than that. I need variety. But then there's also, can you just observe beauty in anything that you see, even if it seems dull and monotonous, you know, and that's almost like a focus thing. Could you have the the mental capacity to focus on something for that long. I remember I was working, I was really on my grind and I think I was sitting somewhere and I think I had a deadline. So I'd been in this chair for like 18 hours, just grinding out. And someone was like, how do you do that? And it was just like, I'm just really into what I'm doing and the details of it. And that's like, they say the devil's in the details, you know, uh, the Inuit up North, they have five different words for snow because they know it so intimately. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I get my program, my fitness programming from the five-time CrossFit Games champ and some of the insight he has on simple things that I would do at the gym and just not think twice about. I'm like, like this guy has done it. Like He has this 10,000 hours in this stupid, simple movement. Do you know what I mean? And so like, just the nuance to it. And I really think that's what's separate. I mean, virtue is doing the common uncommonly well. And you don't get that without grit, without that that ability to maintain focus you know i always said like you you can go make a new group of friends any day that want to sit around and talk small talk and drink and just let time fly but how many people will sit beside you and focus on something you know like on a simple task or a simple project and not need a break and not need to go home and take care of the pet you know like not need to do that sort of thing it's a catch-22 um so
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've always had that sort of like focus, like I get into something and I just get so into the zone and I keep thinking about it all day. And I think it's also because like, I really enjoy what I do. So it's like my work is my hobby. Like people might think it's like, oh, you have no life. All you do is wake up, go to the gym and uh, work and then eat and go back to sleep. You know, I was like, but like, that's like what I love to do. Like, it's what I want. I'm always doing what I want to do. You know, it's like, I just absolutely love it. And uh, it's like, i don't know how to explain it. like i really have nothing else that it's self-directed
0: that it's self-directed yeah you're not showing up someone else necessarily tell you what to do you do with your clients you always have a boss your clients are your boss or whatever but at the same time you know you have enough clients that you can say bye to any of them you, you know it's
1: not, <laughs> and, not like, that. It's like I'm, I'm just selective about it right because it's like i know there's no way i'm working with like a client from hell you know what i mean like it's yeah. you know if i'm on like a sales call it's like i'm deciding if i want to work with them or not I yeah the I'm
0: money's ready. not worth it in some instances
1: yeah but it's also like i'm just i'm not trying to like sell them on me i'm trying to figure out if i want them and i'm not saying that to be like cocky or something it's just like i know that i know i'm going to do a good job for them and i know that they're making the right decision to hire me i guess so it's just like know but then then they're also like cool right like all my clients are cool like i would just hang out with them i don't you know uh, i don't want people who are like you know nagging me and complaining and you know i've actually have gotten rid of some clients because they were like yeah yeah
0: me too yeah 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 i get it i totally get it i totally get it and not everyone's a fit and that's okay you don't want everyone to like you. everybody wants everyone to like them but the reality is you don't want everybody to like you um and that's okay so okay Now, a couple other questions. So let's talk about the creator economy a bit. What is the creator economy? Why does it matter?
1: Creator economy is maybe it's getting outplayed, that word. I think one one of Gary V's book was called The Creator Economy, wasn't it? It was. I don't know. I think his second book was called Creator Economy. I just realized how played out that word is. But uh, yeah, creators, uh, to me, uh, they're mostly YouTubers, but a creator could also be like a podcaster. Um, creators are usually a person who is producing content, um, with them in it, right. Whereas, like a publisher, you could look at like you know, like Forbes or Business Insider. Those are like they're publishers. They're also media companies. They're publishers. They're publishing content, but under like a brand, right?
0: Yeah, but- it's a brand, and they've got like a roster of creators. It seems <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah.
1: So what I'm seeing with the creator economy is that it is going to blow up over the next few years. So right now, in terms of how much um, businesses, companies are spending by advertising directly with creators. So if you ever ever watch like a YouTube video and they're like, hey, thanks for watching. This video is sponsored by NordVPN. You know, you probably heard that one <laughs> a lot, right? That's like companies spending with creators. So uh, right now, uh, I think 2022, they estimated that it's a 17 or $18 billion industry, and it is estimated to be a $100 billion industry within five years. And what I think is going to happen is because of what happened with the cookie, so Safari, Apple, uh, originally was on mobile Safari, now it's on all Safari, Apple killed the cookie because of privacy issues, right? Google says they're phasing out the cookie by the end of this year or early next year. So the cookie's going away. So personally I had on webfriendly.com, I had a lot of affiliate links on all these articles and we used to make about $2,000 a month from all these links and all the traffic we're getting when they killed the cookie. And more than half of our traffic was on actually more than, I think 80% of our traffic was on mobile because we used Google AMP and other things. We're really optimized for mobile. And now we make less than $200 a month, right? So it really killed the, like I was all about, well, let's make blog posts with affiliate links. And let's grow this, right? And totally killed it. So the cookie's going away. And also it killed Facebook. So anyone who's been following the news about the cookie, that's why Facebook is very mad at, uh, at Apple. And that's why they, they also, their sales of, or their, you know, um, revenue has gone down. And so, um, so what I think is going to happen is because of the tracking and the precision targeting and all that stuff that the cookie gave us, and there's, there's solutions in place for like the next cookie that's going to come out. Um, there's a lot of different technologies that are being discussed right now. But like email. Probably- hash- What's that?
0: Like email hashes. I don't know what email hashes. Oh, we can get into that after. Sorry, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Anyways, interrupt. yeah,
1: there's, there's like different technology that they're talking about that they might use, but it's going to take a few years. So in the meantime, I think that the best way to target people is through these creators. So creators have their data and analytics that maybe YouTube gives them, for example, and they know what kind of audiences they have. They're making content for certain audiences and you can go direct to them and say, hey, do you want to work together? I'll pay you this much and you give me a shout out on the video. And you know, um, I was also looking at different tech incubators. Like there's like Techstars, uh, 500 Startups, Y Combinator. And I was actually going through looking at what kind of startups people were, were building. And what I noticed was like, I'm not even exaggerating. I think around half of all the startups had to do with connecting creators with brands. So a lot of people are working on this. Famebit, which launched in 2009, I think, or 2010. I'm what is remember. it? It's called, Fame, it was used to be called. Yeah, it was called Famebit. I think it was 2010. I forget the exact year, but Google bought them. And now, uh, if you go to uh, YouTube, uh, I think it's YouTube Partners, is actually originally the, the FameBit software that would connect brands with creators. So this whole idea of connecting brands with creators is the next phase of advertising. And I think that that is what every creator is now a media company. And so I think mm. it's going to be bigger and bigger that brands yes. are going to be working with creators. And what's great about it right now, it's the wild, wild west right you're not going into a platform and running an ad and then sending it you know to these right. creators. they actually have platforms like that for podcasts right there's a lot of uh, platforms that you can uh, run um, it's called dynamic ad insertion right and where you could, you could record an ad and then you could say i want to place it in, in podcasts about this and it's all automatic so they've done that for podcasts um so and of course you could advertise directly on youtube right but in terms of getting the, working directly with a YouTuber and, and having them promote your product, that sort of thing, it's just, it's blowing up. It's going to be a really big industry. And a lot of these YouTubers, are, they're also launching their own brands and products. We've talked a lot about this on our, on our podcast, like who's going to be the first billionaire YouTuber. It's going to be Mr. Beast, you know, Mr. I,
0: Mr. Beast. Easy. Yeah, I was about to say that. He I, is, I think uh, Mr. He is Beast, so
1: but I also, I'm, I'm also got my money on the Nelk boys <laughs> and Gary V. So I Gary think V gonna, and who? Who? The Nelk Boys, Full Send, I don't know full send podcast, Nelk Boys. Yeah. So they launched oh, their own I seltzer. Cent. I know
0: Full Send. Okay. I, I, I think don't know what why they're going to do. Yeah. I so they launched, they launched a
1: seltzer called Happy Dad. <laughs> and the seltzer okay. industry right now is a $5 billion industry. So I think that they are going to grow Happy Dad over the next two to five years and sell it for a billion dollars. That's my prediction. So because when they made happy dad, they didn't call it full said seltzer, they called it happy dad, it like it's completely detached from their brand, which tells me that they're going to sell it. And, and they've talked about how the seltzer industry is a $5 billion industry, and it's growing like rapidly, right? So that's why I got my money on, uh, I would say, and Mr. Beast is spending all of his money. That's the other thing too. If Mr. Beast goes public or does like a DAO or something like that, maybe he'll be the first billionaire YouTuber, but I think he's just going to keep on growing for like 10 years and he'll be like the Disney of YouTube you know?
0: Yeah. Um, one of the things yeah. that he's done that I saw when I was living in Vietnam, we saw all these because I just had a baby and we started getting to these kids' YouTube channels. And one of the things that I saw was some of these huge kid YouTube channels, they were in seven different languages. It was the same videos. They just had voice right. dubs. And then That's when what I saw Mr. Beast on Rogan, he just, he just started doing that. He just did that, started doing that like a no, year right. or two ago, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even like yeah. Neil Patel talks about that too. He's like the you know, the, the low hanging fruit for more traffic through Google is translations. And he got big into like translating for in Brazil. Like Neil Patel is really big in, in Brazil. Right. I don't know what other language he did, but he was all about that. He's like, he just, he has so many blog posts. All he did was translate everything into all these different markets. Right. So yeah. it's definitely, yeah. And there's it's so huge. much less competition in those other markets. Advertising yeah. in those markets is way cheaper. Yeah. Like
0: it's a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And their money spends as good as anybody else's, you know, so. So Mm -hmm. I love that you brought this up and you kind of gave a little bit of a tip, uh, an insight into the future. But can you talk a little bit more about where you think the future of the industry is going? So you think each creator is now their own media company. You think that brands pairing with creators is going to be kind of helping replace, you know, like the Facebook, you know, the Facebooks of the world, so to speak, where it's got you've got one self-serve ad platform because you're going to lose that targeting. To the same level because a lot of Facebook's unique targeting comes from tracking what happens off of Facebook right I mean they've got hundreds of millions of sites with their Facebook pixel and so when you're on Facebook and go do a bunch of other things they're watching you people don't realize that but Facebook's watching what everybody's doing because this all these sites have pixels and it's it's like you know a signal it tells them where you're at where you're not at um and you say that that's all going away and so all of a sudden Facebook can only really know what data they buy but also mostly just like what you're doing on facebook and what you've told them your profile data and that and so you think what you've seen with these startups is really there's going to be this kind of influencer marketing is going to be the next big thing is that what you're trying to say here
1: yeah basically yeah i think there's a lot of platforms a lot of people are, are trying to get into this market uh youtube already bought their their company that does it uh facebook doesn't have that yet facebook will likely acquire one of these startups that's connecting the creators on facebook and instagram and so on and then connecting them with the brands it could look like something like what the podcast industry did you know um it could be like a script that you give them that says hey you read this on your show i don't know how they're gonna really manage all that like to know that it got done or whatever right now a lot of these you you need a brand manager like a big creator would have a brand manager that you would talk to and then you'd you know they'll work on a uh on an average CPM of their, of their viewership, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, it's gonna get more and more molded. So once you become like, you know, once you're a YouTube partner or you like, once you get to a certain stage in your career, a certain audience level, you know, be a, a, you know, you're gonna be able to join some platform where you can connect with brands and, you know, it might be some direct messaging, talking, discussing that way versus a self-serve platform probably something like that.
0: What do you think about web three and like DAOs? Do you think that that's, that's a thing that's going to be more prominent? Do you think it's a phase?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if it gets, uh, I mean, what's going to happen is probably if it gets, I don't know a whole lot about it as to be honest, to be able to speak like very intelligently about the house, but you know, if, uh, if it becomes, um, you know, legal and all that to be able to do that and uh, raise money that way uh which i think it would be i think I, I could see it going that way uh it would be interesting for companies to raise money in, in that capacity um but it'll also be the wild wild west just like what we just saw with the whole nft stuff over the last year yeah it was like 95 99 percent trash and now people are adding more utility to their NFT, which makes sense to me. Yeah, they buying the monkeys and all that kind of stuff. Now the whole monkey thing, you know, became a utility. Now you're part of a club, and it's like the billionaire boy club, you know. So yep. I could see that. But you know, a lot of this kind of like buying, you know, I was thinking like I collect retro toys. Like you could see behind me here. Like I got a lot of retro toys I collected. I just found like a 2006 uh, Darth Vader piggy bank. It's like in my kitchen right now. I just got it today. And what's unique about that is like if you want it, you gotta buy it, right? Whereas like yeah. collecting an image of, you know, of a monkey or something is like, I don't need to own it. If I want to like print out a big monkey picture and 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 hang it yeah. on my wall, I could literally just go and take the image and then you know find a good file of it, you know, and print it. I don't I don't need to buy it in order to like enjoy looking at it, right? When right, you come to like sports cards or collectibles and the reason why all those are kind of going up in value is because of the nostalgic effect of like having that stuff right mm-hmm. so that's where i think like the nfts and kind of like you know for artists and all that you know i'm not, I'm not too sold on that but when it comes down to utilities and uh, being part of a club
0: and a part yeah of that part makes sense yeah. Like an NFT where yeah. you're, you know, you're an early founder in something, therefore you get VIP privileges and your NFT is your ticket for that. It's your proof. It's your wristband. You know, that can't be, you can't be fudged. That part, that part makes a ton of sense. I know some you guys ever, that are doing that.
1: Yeah. So do you ever get, get, buy lifetime deals, like on AppSumo? Yeah. So you can get like a software instead of paying a monthly fee, you pay a one-time fee and, and you get access to the software. There's like a black market of people buying and selling uh, lifetime deals Like through right. Facebook groups Stuff like that And I actually Messaged Noah Keegan He's the founder of AppSumo And I was like Hey Instead of having this black market Where people are getting ripped off There's there's a whole bunch of stories About whatever You know Right uh, Some people like Actually figured out What all the codes were For this one software And started mm-hmm. selling those codes And they didn't figure it out For months So people paid For this codes, But Then the and the company That people had access to They were like Hey These, these were You know you were not supposed to get these codes, you know? So they ended up like deactivating these people's accounts, but they're like, hey, you mm. should have been better to like secure it. So that way someone can go out and do the scam. Anyways, the point being is I told Noah Keegan, I'm like, it'd be great if these these LTDs, these lifetime deals were sold as an NFT. It's NFT yeah. When we buy an LTD, right? We're in a way investing into the business because we believe that it will be around for the future. That's where we're getting it, right? right. And if people want to resell it, well, hey, I have an LTD for a product that, like some people bought LTDs for like Dropbox, like 10 years ago, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff, right? So it's them, like, that could be worth get, a lot of money, yeah. right? Yep. So it would be great to like buy software as an NFT, right? And like you could, you're, you're in, as a software company, you could be like, hey, I'm going to give away a thousand NFTs for lifetime access to this product. You pay a hundred bucks now, but hey, we're going to be in business in the next 10 years that $100 could be worth way more, right? Imagine you had like yeah, a, yeah. a lifetime deal to like Salesforce or HubSpot or like something like that and you yeah, bought it very early completely. on, right? So be I think huge. it'd be great be to see NFTs in the software industry, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So we talked about habits. We talked about where this future of of where the industry is going. Who are some of your role models that you look to in the space your, to try to sound, like keep an eye on?
1: Your, oh. your sound is cutting off here.
0: Oh, sorry. Is this uh, better?
1: Yeah, it's better now. Okay. Uh, role models,
0: man. I don't know. Um. Or at least who do you look was... up to? Who's your guru? <laughs> who's your yeah, guru? Who's, man? who's my guru
1: now? Who do I watch now? Man, i you know when I start watching now is I'm more in the observing phase like i love observing like i've been watching a lot of like milk boys and that sort of thing they're not marketing they're not in the marketing niche but i love observing what they're doing in business and they don't talk about it directly but as a business person i kind of recognize what they're doing and mm. I think that's very interesting to me um i've been observing a lot of the community space and community softwares people who both manage and build communities and then softwares for it there's not a really good, like I've done a lot of copywriting for um, LMS softwares, like learning. Right. Softwares. And, and, um, and I think the aspect of community is probably one of the best ways to increase your course completion rates and, and reduce your cancellations and refunds, get a community. right? I actually think that selling a community with a course as like the second tier thing, Will probably sell better than I have a course plus you get access to the community. I think the community is more valuable, and there's not a really good LMS SaaS mm. LMS, I should say. Like, we talked about this before, off you know, before we're talking about WordPress based yep. ones. I'm not a big fan of that, but based on like SaaS, right? So, we got like there's like Thinkific, there is uh Kajabi, there is um ClickFunnels, people use that for their LMS. Uh, there's uh Teachable, you know, uh, Udemy, right? These are all LMSs, but no one's really mastered courses plus community. Um, right. Muddy Networks is one. I personally don't like the, the UI and so on of their community feature. I'm in another program where they tried to hack together Circle. It's like circle.co, which is more of a community thing, but they tried to put courses into it. Didn't really work. Um, there's tribe.so, which is more of like a forum community thing and not for courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting seeing that space. And I've been just kind of like observing both the entrepreneurs and the platforms and just kind of what's going on there. And I think
0: there's yeah. still a big gap of, of doing it right. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that's an important thing because a lot of people have lost faith in social media, you know, a ton of users have jumped ship from Facebook <clears throat> and we know there's all sorts of new platform platforms coming out. There's like the Signal and the Telegram, and I think there's a new one, tr- Truth or Trust or something. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you said. I think community is a huge part of it, and it's it's almost like we 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 built up these big centralized bodies. I don't know what's going to happen with these big centralized networks. Um, but some of them are being fragmented and now we've got more small players. And it's almost like what you're saying with the creator economy and brands speaking of them, it's this, it's this ebb and flow between consolidation and dispersion, you know, it, it dispersing. And um, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's an important one. We haven't talked about that, but as a business owner, no matter what business that you're in, you're building a community of some sort, right? Like you really are. Even if you're just building, installing pools for people, even if you're just doing, uh, if you're a dentist, like you're dealing with families, you're building a community. So that's a really uh, I'm just glad that you brought that up. Even talking about DAOs, it's a decentralized autonomous organization for people that heard us talking about it, wasn't sure what it was. The idea is that it's an organization of kind of volunteers that get uh, a percent ownership, so to speak, of the company for their work, and it's it's kind of like a merit based. It's supposed to be a merit based organization, but it's still a wild west because it's it's kind of the same issue: is how do you how do you sort? everybody how do you acknowledge people over others you know how do you reward merit how do you track it how does how do you value the 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 contribution people make and it's the same thing with the community like you talk about like it's the community there's a lot of value in the community but i mean i i recently inherited a facebook group of eighty three thousand people um but it's kind of dead there's new people joining every day uh it wasn't like a a venture that i engaged in someone just kind of approached me and was like hey um i spent guy's been running it for like 10 years, I think. Yay. I've just really lost control of it these few years. You know, can you help? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I I don't know, but it's like, it's that it's like, what do you, that's a real, I mean, so many people are focused on the marketing and sales, like you said, but but like you also spoke to, it's about building the relationship. And part of that is the long-term relationship, having a really ongoing relationship with people where you do business together, where you transact you trade, and that's building a community. What do you, can you speak to that? And I think you've got some insight because of the company, the client, some of the clients you've had in the space and also your background on social media, some of the, the pillars, like if somebody heard you talk about community spaces and these softwares and they were interested at in all, and especially as a creator, you're creating content for your community. Are there pillars for that? Are there fundamentals? Well,
1: I think one thing to just go back a bit is like, I think that niche social networks are gonna be the future of social media so more niche stuff so a community just for business people or a community just for people in the city or town or people who are only into learning about community the way that facebook groups were set up i could see all those being their own sort of networks private networks before we would do online courses it was difficult to use anything but a facebook group because people were just on facebook naturally and so to try to get them to use something else was very difficult whereas now i think people prefer it right the challenge is with all these niche platforms is that they're not mobile first. And if you look at any of the stats for any social network, Facebook is ninety percent mobile usage. Twitter is eighty. Uh, YouTube, I think, is like sixty. Actually, I actually happen to know all this. was so like sixty-five. Um, Instagram is a hundred. TikTok is hundred. You know, like they're all mobile first, right? And so the problem is that all these, they're not mobile first platforms. And so even though they might even have a mobile app, but the app sucks and doesn't have all the features and and so on. And that's the challenge with this. A lot of people have been moving towards discord, right? Discord groups. In the past, I've seen groups in Slack channels, stuff like that. So those are other kind of options, but there's not a really good thing. Um, And in terms of like, you know, web three and the, you know, the people have been talking about web three being the f- you know future of social. There's a platform called diamond app. I think it's diamond.app. And it's the first kind of one big one kind of taken off in terms of the web three space. You could join it. And then it's like a decentralized social network, you know, that sort of thing. I actually think it's interesting. It's a, uh, I joined it. And I was like kind of poking around, but I didn't, I didn't really stick into it. But yeah, I mean, uh, what happens is if you have people joining your community around a common cause, mission, goal, whatever, you you know, what I've seen work in the past anyways, is, is if you're doing, for example, like a weekly webinar or event, there's a place where you're always bringing people together. And then they go to, you know, the, the network part to go and like network and meet each other and so on, you're going to hit like a tipping point where, you know, it'll, you need, they just go there naturally to engage, Right. Um, I'm in a group now. It's like, it's part of a program for building a startup. They're using circle and, um, it's very, people are very engaged. I, I actually joined the program for the community aspect, not even for the content and people are very engaged in using it. So I really like that, that people are there and every week there's a webinar and people are, they're teaching and so on. It goes on for 12 weeks, very engaged. But what I really got disappointed is like in the app, It's like so bad. Like when someone likes your post, you can't see who liked it. You can't go to their profile. It's when you try to message somebody, it doesn't refresh by itself. There's so many issues with the app that it's like, I cannot use the app to like on the go. So I just check it once in a while when I'm on my computer, you know? And so- I think when you, if you bring people in slowly, not fast, and they're coming in because of us, you know, it would be great with a course. I think, you know, they're coming in for a purpose, like to come in every week, you're going to do a webinar some sort of a meetup mastermind and you grow it up slowly. Don't worry about getting big numbers. That way the people who are there are using it and are engaging. Then when new people come in, they're like, oh, I can see how this works now. Everyone's talking about this or talking about that you know you could easily reach out to people they could see an example of what it would look like to engage in this community but when they first come in there and there's nothing there it's crickets right so you got to start really slow i think that's the key um is what i what i've seen in any how, how things start
0: yeah okay that's really good tip now i want to be respectful of your time i know you already started a little bit late so before we wrap up is there anything i didn't ask you that i should have asked you
1: um well, I guess like right now, what I've been working on is the, um, the YouTube show, Good Morning Marketers, which is also a podcast. And something interesting that we've been doing with it is I've been handling all the pre production so planning the shows. Uh, it's a news show, right? So it's news and entertainment show for creators, publishers, marketers, right? So um, I've been trying to avoid teaching, you know, I don't want it to be an education show, right? We want to get more into entertainment type stuff, right? Um, So I've been handling the pre-production, then both me and Andrew, who's a co-host, Andrew Murdoch, we do the production together because we're filming together. We figured out kind of logistics of like how to to record it. We've been using riverside.fm, which looked very promising, but oh my God, do I not like it? I, I, I hate to say it because I was so excited when I found it. I was like, this is going to be the zoom killer. This is it, you know? And it's like, has so many problems, so many problems. And so I'm not, I don't know. There's gotta be something better of like, how do you record a show with multiple cameras and multiple speakers? It's like, I haven't figured this out yet, but you know, we're still, we're still going through it. Um, and then there's the post-production, which, you know, Andrew handles all the editing or whatever, but what we do is we end up making, we got our our full episode, we take all the stories, become individual clips, and then we create short clips, one minute videos, both in story format and in a square format. So that way it could work on uploading into Instagram, into the feed, into stories, into reels, into TikToks. We upload directly onto, uh, Twitter and onto LinkedIn, and we created this whole distribution right? So what we figured out was if anyone's out there and you want to become a creator, I think news and doing a new show is where it's at. I think doing news for your niche, there's not a lot of niche news shows, right? People think about news, like, politics and stuff like that but doing news for your industry if you're a chiropractor you're do news that matters to chiropractors if you're you know whatever you know like those kind of niche shows you film for an hour you you come up with maybe five to seven topics i figured out that when you do over seven it becomes very hard to distribute because we just do one one a day once you're over seven you got to do more than one a day it just becomes harder to schedule so do five to seven topics then you just chop it up into videos and then, and then you, you know distribute it and so on. And I, we just started this and we just figured out all oh, the logistics of how to do it all, whatever. But now that we kind of figured out, okay, now we know how to distribute it. Now our next phase, okay, now how do we grow all these accounts and start getting more and more traction? And that's kind of our next stage for this. But I think that that is something if someone's looking to kind of get into the space of creating content, um, covering news is so easy because you don't have to like think how, what am I gonna teach people and how, what kind of tip am I gonna get, right? just react it's a reaction channel you know it's a reaction show it's like news you're reacting to the news right what's happening in the industry you're explaining you're connecting the dots right you're explaining the news and you're connecting the dots of why this matters to your industry um and yeah i've seen a few people do it in some formats like if you remember um ray william johnson equals three he used to kind of do this he was reacting to viral videos and he would do like three viral videos an episode. It was like a funny show. And it's a reaction channel, right? Mr. Beast has one of his channels called Mr. Beast Reacts. And he's reacting to like, basically like memeable content, you know, short videos, TikTok, stuff like that. It's just reacting, right? So I think that that in that format will work really well for a lot of industries. And I don't see, like, I've actually searched a lot about this, like how many niche news shows there are. And there's not a lot. And I think that
0: it's a great opportunity,
1: very easy to do. Mm,
0: that's a great tip, especially in an era where a lot of us have developed distaste and distrust for mainstream mainstream media. But that's the so, thing, is like that,
1: it's not it's not about doing like you could do a, a politics and you know whatever that, that kind of news too, right? But that's not what I'm talking right. about. I'm saying like no, no. for your industry, right? Yeah,
0: well, that's my backdrop. Okay. Well, Matt, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you joining us here. Uh, for those that are interested, go check out webfriendly.com webfriendly.com and is that also what they can google or youtube
1: yeah we're uh youtube.com slash webfriendly. well i'm actually slash web friendly everywhere instagram.com webfriendly tiktok slash web friendly, friendly, twitter web friendly i got i got the username everywhere lock that down I like got i got the, the distribution
0: i got the trademark
1: <laughs> no 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 one could use that now i got i own web friendly i paid a lot of money web friendly
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome well matt thank you so much it's been an honor and a pleasure this was a great call i really appreciate your time Uh, I appreciate your patience. I know we had a couple of tech issues in the beginning. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back and talk some more.
1: Awesome, thank you.